On this episode of Mistake by the Take, Dylan, and unfortunately no Jake this week, goes in-depth on the Browns' first preseason game against the Jets in this episode of Mistake by the Take. Episode 24 or 25, I've lost track at this point of Mistake by the Take. It's your host, Dylan Feldovich, and I am not alongside with my partner in crime, Jake Volnick. I'm probably... Okay, listen. Jake is not the personal type of man. I'll, I'll say that right now. But the thing about Jake is he is a freaking grinder when it comes to just life in general. That's part of the reason why I love working with him so much. It's because the dude just, whatever he is tasked with, he gives it his 100%. And not even just 100%, like 200%. And part of the, part of the reason why it, it, it sucks and the downfalls of that is... He, he can overwork himself sometimes. And I think this is part of this is one of the days where I think he's kind of overworked himself a little bit. And as you know, as you guys know, he works for 92.3 The Fan and he does board ops there. He also has a couple other jobs there. So he's chasing the bat. And he works a lot of late hours. And that's why all the jokes of, you know, him saying, Oh, you know, freaking tired this morning and stuff. It, it, it's because he's working his butt off. And I wanted to, I, I texted him this morning. I'm like, hey, uh, you up, man? And I didn't get a response. I'm assuming he's sleeping in. And the other part, too, is he is, I'm pretty sure he's supposed to work at one today. So he's basically, I wanted to give him a little bit of a break. Plus, I mean, I think I can. I think I could go solo dolo once, but I guess we'll see what happens then. Um, but this is going to be a different episode, obviously, just because one, Jake isn't here and I'm going solo dolo, but also two, I think I'm going to just keep it a little bit more condensed. I at least wanted to give my thoughts on how the Browns first preseason game was the Hall of Fame game. Um, but also two, I think I'm just going to, you know, Again, go with just that for now. Uh, and then, you know, no no hot off the press, nothing like that. Just keeping it kind of straight and maybe only 30 minutes, maybe an hour, maybe two. I don't know. I don't know how long. I, I could talk for a while, but I don't know how long I can actually talk for. But I want to get right into it because there was a lot to unpack. If you didn't watch the game, I'll give you a little bit of a recap right now. Browns won 21-16. By halftime, they were down 16-10, to 10, like going into half. And it, there was a lot to really unpack here. Because the first part of it, you kind of you got a sense of like, man, what is up with this team? You know, I, it was just like, it, it's like, you get all the hype, and I get it. It's preseason and stuff. But at the same time, you're just like, there's 
couple drops, a lot of penalties. It was kind of frustrating watching in the first half. And then second half, and the main part of this this discussion that we're going to have today, Dorian Thompson-Robinson comes in, and the dude lights it up at quarterback. The kid is from L- uh, UCLA. I've talked about him a couple of times now. Really liked him in the draft process. I mean, I had a third-round grade on the kid. He's very athletic and a dual-threat quarterback. And I'm going to probably get into him more in a little bit, but he ends up kind of coming in and really leading the offense, and he provided a spark for it because overall you're going to – we'll go over all the stats and of all the guys, but it was kind of a little dead in the first half, and then it just had a spark – in the second half, that was pretty electric. So, we'll go right into the Dorian Thompson Robinson hype because I mean it, it's warranted, and it's the main topic. The dude, so Kellen Mod got to start. We'll start with that. And Kellen Mod, to tell you the truth, for the first couple of drives, Kellen Mod actually didn't look too bad, and that's coming from a guy. That really didn't like Kellen Mod coming out of this, out of the 2021 draft. He was a third round pick, believe either either third or second or third. Um, funky, funky throwing motion. Looks like he sort of cleaned it up a little bit. He's it's 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 a strong arm. I'll give him that, but just I I don't know how I feel about him now. But he goes 13 for 19, 92 yards. Doesn't even break 100. Uh, passing yards, throws a touchdown, but he also throws an interception. In the first couple of drives that Kellen Mod was playing with, he made a couple of good throws. Like I will, I'll give him that because I mean it, there was one play where he it was a third down. I want to say it was third and eight. One, it was like the third drive that he had, and he throws this ball goes right over the cornerback and I mean the he barely misses this one and he I don't know how he didn't tip it or anything like that but it just goes over his hands and it falls perfectly in place right into I would I guess the abdomen area of the tight end that he was throwing to and I don't even think he was ready for it because it just hit his hands and just kind of fell and that was that was that. I was like, okay, well, that was kind of frustrating. And I mean, after that, after those couple of drives, it kind of started to go downhill. And you could see that the offense wasn't really doing too much under him. I mean, 19 pass attempts and only getting 92 yards, kind of frustrating. But I guess the the Kellen Mod was okay. The reason why I'm going to say what I'm going to say right now is since Dorian Thompson-Robinson balled out, Kellen Mott is definitely not going to be on this roster moving forward. Because now, especially too, you you got Kellen Mott was a dart throw. And now that you got a better dart throw in Dorian Thompson-Robinson, you're feeling pretty good about it. Because the kid... Even though he only he was eight for 11, 82 yards, one touchdown, 124 passer rating too. 
it wasn't just the fact that he was passing the ball well. It was also, too, Kevin Stefanski showed his cards a little bit here. And he really, it, giving Kevin Stefanski a dynamic quarterback is something that he that he's been probably begging for because you you saw Dorian Thompson Robinson not only throw the ball pretty well but also he used his legs a ton yesterday. I mean the, he had 6 rushing yards, I mean 6 carries for 36 rushing yards. Doesn't look like a ton, but it was a lot of read options, rolling out of the pocket, two tight end sets, play action. I love that. Because that's definitely one of the when you look at a mobile quarterback and someone that is a considered a dual threat, the play action works a ton because it could set up the run, it could set up play, it could set up runs for the quarterback, quarterback design runs. But it was really exciting to see that because at the same time too, it's going to be good for Deshaun Watson because I I really think that they're probably going to utilize his legs a lot too in a lot of the two tight end sets where play action kind of thing. Because if you look at, I mean, he was the third leading rusher. Dorian Thompson-Robinson was. And, I mean, granted, the rush, the, the rushing attack was, it, it was all over the place just because, obviously, they were, went running back by committee there. But the dude, it, it was just very promising to see that we have a chance, and again, it's preseason. He's going against third, fourth stringers. I get it, but to show that already in your first ever preseason game, there's a lot of potential there, and I already called it, and it. I'm really glad that he went out there and just showed that he's going to be a dude, and it, it's... It's a good thing that we, you know, he's on the bench and stuff like that for us, and we don't have to ever deal with them. But at the same time, like I w- want to see this kid play eventually. But I mean, who knows? You, you never know with injuries and stuff. And at least you're kind of in safe hands too. If the Deshaun Watson goes haywire, I want to say safe just yet, but promising hands. If the Deshaun Watson scenario does start to go all over the place. And then also too, I want to if since we're on the topic of quarterbacks, I know we're leaking into the Jets. Zach Wilson. I know he gets a lot of slander. He 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 does. By the media, by everyone. It, it's Listen, I, I I'll say this. I was pretty high on Zach Wilson. I'll be the first to admit it. I thought he was a better prospect than Justin Fields, than Trey Lance, than Mac Jones, and all those guys. I, obviously, Trevor Lawrence was in a whole different tier, but I was still pretty high on Zach Wilson. And I think it's going to be really good for him to learn under a guy like Aaron Rodgers. And he really he showed some promise. He that throw that he made last night was pretty impressive, and I know I I was I was talking about it with my other friends last uh, last night about it, and you know my my one friend hates him, and he he was just like oh he was wide open like he should complete no that's a tough throw, and it looked really easy for him, 
And I, I, I don't know. I'm not going to say that Zach Wilson is going to be revitalized after this and he's going to be the franchise guy because I I don't know what's going to happen. You know, I I thought he was going to be the franchise quarterback for the Jets moving forward after that 2021 draft. Clearly, it didn't work out like that. So I'm not going to throw all my eggs in that basket. But at the same time, at least he's A, showing some maturity, and then B, he's starting to kind of clean up his throws because the other reason, like, the dude was a disaster last year. There's no doubt about it. And there was a couple of throws that he made yesterday that were just like, okay, I can live with that. I can see where I was looking at during the 2021 draft. So that that was my little tidbit on Zach Wilson. I just wanted to throw it in there because, I mean— it, don't don't get me wrong. He only it was three for five, sixty five yards, and again, it was I think a fifty six yard pass that he threw that really gave him most of it. So it wasn't like he just absolutely lit up, but he had a couple of good throws. Now, kind of moving into some of the aspects that we were discussing on uh, on the Wednesday's podcast, we talked about what is going to happen with the running back room now that Kareem Hunt's gone. And we got some answers pretty quickly. We we got some answers, but at the same time, we got some more question marks. So the one answer that we got is Jerome Ford's the running back too. Like, that's pretty clear cut because he didn't even play yesterday. He didn't dress. And I kind of figured that he would eventually just assume that role and that they wouldn't go out and sign a free agent. But this pretty much solidifies it there. Because, I mean, him and Nick Chubb were, I believe, the only two running backs that didn't play just because they felt pretty confident in them to just say, like, hey, you guys are good. Roster fo- roster spot solidified, perfect. So we got some clarity with that. And honestly, I'm okay with it for now. It, what what it looks like is I don't think he's going to have the Kareem Hunt role of a one-two punch back. I think they're going to probably lean more heavily into Nick Chubb in the sense of the workload of the running back position. But at the same time, I don't think they're going to run the ball as much as previous years. Because now that you got a lot of dynamic pieces in the wide receiving core and then also a quarterback that can make a lot of different type of throws and you can really revolve your offense around, when you, obviously that's what at his best. We I, I don't want to just assume that right now, obviously. But now it's kind of looking like, all right, Jerome Ford can be the guy behind Nick Chubb to eat up some carries in a game. That's what it's starting to look like. I don't know about a role of a pass-catching back necessarily because I, I didn't think he was like this all-around. Obviously, he's not going to have like Kareem Hunt abilities of the pass-catching role that he had. I think he probably could be serviceable, at least in that aspect. But again, I I'm, think they're starting to head in a direction of running the ball less. So Nick Chubb will basically kind of have the same 
workload that he usually has, but it's just cutting down Kareem Hunt's carries. So I think Jerome Ford might be a guy where you see, you know, on average, like at least five carries a game because I think he'll get some work, obviously. Nick Chubb, they they don't want to just use him as a full-blown workhorse either. Like, I don't think that's going to be his role. But I think, too, they're probably not going to run the ball as much as you expect in, from what we've seen in years past as well. So the RB2 solidified with Jerome Ford. Didn't even play yesterday. We thought that he would probably even play in the first half in, like, the whole time in the first half. But, I mean, nothing. Literally nothing. And now that we got that kind of settled, we have some more question marks because the questions that we were asking on Wednesday's podcast was not just what Jerome Ford's role was going to be moving forward, but it was also to what's going to be the depth for the running back position because this team did not really address any – they didn't do anything other than pick up a free agent running back undrafted free agent for that matter, Hassan Hall. And other than that, all these other guys, it's just kind of, they've been around. And I mean, nothing too set in stone. So we were kind of wrong in the sense of we just, we thought that it was going to be John Kelly Jr. just assuming that role. And I'll say this, he played the full, he played the whole first half, 10 carries, 42 yards. Not bad. Not bad at all. And and the thing is, I'm not looking for a RB2. I'm looking for a guy that has the Dearness Johnson kind of role where if one of the backs go down, say Nick Chubb goes down, pray, I pray to God that that never happens, obviously. But say Nick Chubb goes down. Jerome Ford will inherit that role of being the RB1 at that point. And then the RB3 is going to have to take at least five carries, five to seven carries in the game to ch- just chew up a couple of plays. And we've seen Dearness Johnson excel in that role. And then also, too, if both of them go down, I mean, you're you're looking at someone to at least get you, you know, I, I mean, I, I hate to compare it because Dearness Johnson, I mean, he was perfect for us. You got him off the, as Jake always says, off the fishing boat. But he, I mean, he, when you had to rely on him, he he worked, and he was cheap. And you're gonna have to find someone else in that role. And the reason why I said it's a lot of question marks is because John Kelly Jr. Yeah, he gets ten carries, forty two yards, but then Demetri Felton, he had seven carries for forty six yards. And he also had a touchdown in there at the end, which, by the way, the Dorian Thompson-Robinson block, wow, that was exciting. I got chills. And I, I was just, I did not expect that. And it, it just goes to show you that this dude is going to be the, he he's really just laying it out there for the team. And I'm really excited for that. But I, back to Felton, I, he looked good. And the reason why I was always pretty stingy on Felton is one he never really had a set role they always kind of just used him as kind of a gadget guy you know certain type of packages you could throw him in there 
because he's only 5'9", 190, and that may be pushing it there. And, I, I mean, he played pretty well. And I don't know if that's a test of just the run scheme or the offensive line, but he had the most rushing yards out of everyone. And the other guy, too, that didn't have much of a role, but he still got some carries. Hassan Hall did well, too. Five carries for 34 yards. He had a couple of breakaway runs, too. I really liked what I saw from John Kelly, Dimitri Felton Jr., and also Hassan Hall. And and I, I the problem now becomes you're not going to be able to keep all of these guys. So I guess the next question for the next game is who's going to kind of show out and be that third guy? I'm assuming that they go with four running backs in that room. But I, I don't know. Because, I mean, maybe you can say Dimitri Felton assumes more of the wide receiver hybrid, like running back role. But at the same time, you're going to have a hard time. If Hassan Hall does what he did last night for the rest of the preseason, you're going to have a hard time cutting that dude. And I'm sure they'll probably find some flexibility to keep all of them on if they if they continue to play like this because I'm, I, my guess is John Kelly Jr. They're gonna probably trust in him to be that guy of the RB three role as I put it in quotation marks there. But I mean, twenty six years old. I, I'm assuming he probably has that locked up for now. But I, it's gonna be interesting to see how the rest of the running back room pans out because. Nate McCrary, he he also had three rushes for five yards. Nothing really much there, but I think he's probably going to be one of the odd men out. That's it. when you have a guy like Hassan Hall come in and do what he did. Yeah, like that's just unfortunately that's that's the nature of the beast. So I guess my question then for the next preseason game is, what is going to be the rest of the running back room moving forward? Because at this point, like, I don't know. you. It's going to be hard to say, like, all right, we'll see you, Hassan Hall. Or Dimitri Felton, like, I'm sorry, but we don't have a role for you. I don't know a scenario where that happens, but I mean, there's a possibility of that. So definitely keep your eyes out for that one. Uh, another thing that I we, we talked about on the podcast on uh on Wednesday was the wide receivers. Now, I was pretty sure I I guess I shouldn't say shocked because I mean it was probably I assumed that Elijah Moore was going to maybe have one drive. They didn't even give him that. They just didn't dress him. They didn't dress Donovan People Jones either. And we there's just there's a lot of stuff going on with the wide receiver room right now that that happened in just one game that you can really take away from it. Um, The first part that I kind of wanted to go into was the wide receivers didn't have a big-time role last night. Did anyone else really notice that either? Like, 
they did, but at the same time they didn't because it was more of the tight ends and the running backs that had kind of – it seemed like – okay, I understand why the tight ends would have a big role because especially when they – when like, for example, Jacoby Brissett last year, when they, when they used Jacoby Brissett, they did a lot of two tight end sets. And it makes a lot of sense because they went out and they signed Jordan Atkins and they made sure to lock up Austin uh, – not Austin – Wow, Austin Hooper. Ooh, David Njoku, that was a while ago when they did that as well. So now the, the way that I look at it is the tight ends, yeah, obviously they're going to have a role, and they did last night. I mean, Zaire Mitchell Padden, I believe is the name. It, he was, I mean, three receptions, 22 yards. Again, not very – they did not extend the ball down the field much. And But the other thing is, too, he was targeted five times which was the tied for the first most. And then the other tight end as well was Thomas Greery. So obviously Atkins and Njoku did not play, nor did, uh, what's this? Oh, man, drawing a blank here. Yeah, I'm, ty- I'm tired too, just just letting you guys know. But uh, uh, Harrison Bryant, that's what I was going to go with. Thank you. So Thomas Greeny, three receptions, 15 yards. He also had four targets. So... The way that I look at it is they – I don't know if the two tight end sets is going to really be prevalent too much with Deshaun Watson in, but I know for a fact that they will rely heavily on that if they have a Josh Dobbs in, if they have a Dorian Thompson-Robinson in, because it just doesn't it, – it, it makes a lot of sense, especially too if you're going to do that with Dorian Thompson-Robinson, because – Obviously, you want to utilize his legs a little bit, get him out of the pocket. Works a lot with the boot legs. They do that a lot. And I could see, I could definitely see them doing that with the Deshaun Watson, too. So I think that's going to be something looking for. Hey, enjoying this edition of Mistake by the Take? Never miss an episode by hitting the follow button on the podcast and by dropping a follow on our social medias. That's at Mistake by the Take on Instagram and at MBTT Pod on Twitter. Again, at Mistake by the Take on Instagram and at MBTT Pod on Twitter. Thanks a lot. And now back to the show. Forward. But the other thing, too, is they, again, I, I said earlier that they didn't extend the ball down the field well. Um, that was my number one knock on Dorian Thompson-Robinson is he played in a system that fit him perfectly to the... Well, Chip Kelly, I believe, made the system around him where utilize the legs and then don't really take the deep shots or anything like that. Just kind of get out quick passes to get him in rhythm. And you kind of saw that last night as well, too. And then you also saw it because the running backs had a prevalent role in the past game as well, John Kelly Jr. had four receptions for 27 yards, five targets. Uh, other guy, too, Demetriak Felton, two receptions, nine yards, and it doesn't seem a lot, but he targeted three times. And when you look at this, it brings in a little bit of concern of, okay, is this going to be – are they going to use running backs as pass catchers moving forward? Because if they do, I'm going to have some concerns. I don't know – if I'm truly sold on Jerome Ford to totally take in that Kareem Hunt role in the sense of being the pass catching back as well, 
I can trust Nick Chubb to uh, catch passes, but I don't know. I I think if you're going to lean into this and you're going to lean into passing to running backs and utilizing them in the pass game, I, I don't know if you necessarily have a back for that right now. You have Demetri Felton. Maybe you start using him more. Maybe that's his role. But at the same time, I don't know. I just we'll see what happens. Maybe they just don't care if they're like an excellent pass catching back and more of just like, all right, you're serviceable. You can go out there on third downs. So I think that's one thing in the receiving. We're just we'll just call this area just the receiving itself because the, again, there was a lot to unpack, even though they only threw 474 yards. So now transitioning more into what I was originally trying to get to was the wide receiving room itself. So obviously, Elijah Elijah Moore doesn't play. Amari Cooper doesn't play. Donovan Peoples-Jones doesn't play. I kind of I may I assume that maybe Donovan Peoples-Jones and also to uh, Elijah Moore would get maybe at least a drive, but they didn't even dress. So I, again, I, I wasn't really expecting much. But at the same time. It was a good thing because you got to at least try to see your other guys go out there. Because again, you're we've been talking about it all off season, even though it's not the off season. You don't know what your depth is going to look like for a wide receiver this year. And one of the guys that I want to highlight last night was Cedric Tillman, the rookie out of Tennessee. And listen, I know I wasn't the biggest Cedric Tillman fan coming out of this year's draft. But the dude looked pretty good. I'll give him that. And my guess is the reason why they took Cedric Tillman is probably because they, I mean, we've been saying this for the longest time. I don't think they want to pay Donovan Peoples-Jones because I wouldn't pay him 11 mil or the even 10 mil for that matter. And that's what he's probably going to go for. So now you draft Cedric Tillman, who, I mean, again, my comp for Cedric Tillman was Donovan Peoples-Jones. So it, it's kind of ironic, but I, I liked what I saw from him. He looked pretty clean coming out of the routes. Uh, the I, I do want to touch on the, uh, the I believe Bryce Hall. It was the cornerback for the Jets. There was a play... There's it was a lot of controversy. People said, like, oh, you know, he was that was offensive pass interference, or you know, oh, it was just a chop off, and he was already his momentum was going there. I think it was probably a little bit of both, to be honest with you. I think there was a little bit of shove off, but I thought I think he did a good job of the chop, too. But at the same time, he also he, I mean, Hall went flying too. That was the other thing. I mean, he, there was clear separation in that out of the out of the. But the problem is it wasn't true separation because it wasn't like out of the right out of the snap. He, he, you know, gets the separation there. It was more of just like he kind of chopped them, comes back, gets a reception there. But he ends up only getting three targets, but two receptions, 35 yards. Looks pretty good, though. I'll give him that. Um, And I'm assuming we're probably going to see a little bit more out of him moving forward. It looks like they were definitely, out of all the wide receivers, they wanted to utilize him probably the most. And I don't I don't think he played in the second half. I'm not 100% sure on that. But I'd like to probably see him with 
Dorian Thompson Robinson as well because both of them went to the same high school. Uh, I believe Bishop Gorman out in Las Vegas. So a little bit of connection there. Another guy that I probably wanted to touch on, Austin Watkins Jr. He was a, I mean, we thought he was going to kind of be an odd man out. But in that second half, they utilized him a lot. Two receptions, 35 yards, and got a touchdown. Dorian Thompson Robinson found him at there, there at the end. Hit him a nice little little pass there. Got him in the end zone. But, I mean, again, it was another thing where, I mean, he it was it was a really good route. I'm pretty sure it was about like he went 15 yards and then kind of did a little little slant and found the open hole and Dorian Thompson Robinson fit it right into the, it was a perfect spot and then he just kind of slipped through the rest of the defenders scored. So Austin Watkins Jr. a lot of lot of promise there. Again, it, it's it's hard because I mean at that point you're going against fourth stringers. In the second half, and it was the fourth quarter, I'm pretty sure, at that matter, when he scored that touchdown. So he's another guy that I at least wanted to give credit to. Uh, nothing much, really, after that. Mike Harley Jr. got four targets. That was another guy. And you guys are probably... I'm, I'm delaying the, the big one. The big, the big one that... The elephant in the room, I'd say. And I'll get to him in a sec. But also David Bell, two receptions, six yards. Didn't use him too much either. Two targets. Again, I don't really see David Bell having much of a role, especially in this offense too. If you're going to utilize a guy like Elijah Moore in the slot and then have, I mean, you're going to have Donovan Peoples-Jones on the outside. And, and, and I, I don't know. I just don't really see it because if, especially if Elijah Moore is playing the slot, like it's it just not going to pan out. And I don't see you benching Donovan Peoples-Jones for David Bell and then moving Elijah Moore into an outside role. So I, I really don't see a, a vision for David Bell moving forward with this team, which is kind of sad because you wasted a third-round pick on him in the 2022 draft. But at the same time, you're not really doing too hot with the third round wide receiving picks. Maybe Cedric Tillman breaks it, but here it is. Anthony Schwartz. Let's talk about it. Here's the other big one. So if you didn't watch the game, Anthony Schwartz, they at this point, I just don't think they like throwing to Anthony Schwartz. They they, they just have no confidence in him. Because Anthony Schwartz just, I don't know anymore. They gave him a little bit of a sweep route. I don't know if it was like a touch pass or just a kind of a handoff. I think they're counting it as a pass, but they also counted it as a rush as well too. So I don't, this is, no, actually they did count it as a pass. So technically it was a little bit of a little dump off there. So Anthony Schwartz technically did get one reception yesterday for seven yards. But the problem is Anthony Schwartz then again fumbles it and turns the ball over. The only fumble of the game for the Cleveland Browns. I don't know. At this point, I I hate to do this and criticize athletes to the point of like you need to cut them because it it 
they're human beings, people. You got to realize that as well. Like, they are the same as us. They're not some type of alien or some famous, like, they're, they're not on a pedestal compared to everyone else. They're a human being. And when you take that into consideration, he has, he has feelings and stuff like that. He dealt with, I'm, I don't know if he, for sure, but like, I'm pretty sure he there was there was articles coming out about saying like he dealt with like mental health things when you know it wasn't going his way and it wasn't panning out and stuff. So I feel bad for the guy. I truly do because again, I don't know what happens in closed doors if he's, you know, grinding his butt off or if he's just kind of slacking. I'm assuming since he's been, you know, staying around with them that he has been working. But I mean, at some point, you got to cut him. You can't keep doing the Anthony Schwartz situation every year and seeing if it pans out because every role that you've put him in so far has just not worked. You try to use him as a pass catcher, and it doesn't work out. He drops the ball. Then you try to use him on some jet sweeps. He fumbles. At what point do you say... You're not helping this team anymore. You need to go. And he doesn't have the potential that you thought he did. And the frustrating thing is he's only 22. I mean, when you drafted him, he was 20 years old. and it, Which makes a lot of sense because, I mean, that's kind of how... I mean, that's how AB works. He likes taking young shots like that and try to develop them. Which I get, and he should. But at the same time... I think Anthony Schwartz, it's it's got to be over at this point. You, you, I mentioned earlier that Kellen Maud has to be on the chopping block now that Dorian Thompson-Robinson proved. I think probably Kellen Maud has one more game, maybe. And if Dorian Thompson-Robinson does the same thing, <laughs> you got to call Kellen Maud at that point and just be like, I'm sorry, dude. Not, not anymore. But I think at this point, you don't even give Anthony Schwartz another game. You got to get rid of him. And again, I, I hate saying that because he is a human being. He is like me. And he has feelings. And I, I understand that he's been through a lot with this and dealing with the media and the criticism. But at the same time, if you're not doing your job, you need to be done. And I I know people say like, oh, just bench him and stuff like that. No, you, you just got to get rid of him. And I I don't know, especially to the fact is the last one that I want to get into as well, a guy that didn't play Jalen Darden and he was a, I mean, we thought that he would probably get cut and obviously it's either one or two reasons why he didn't play injury could have been the first reason. I, I don't know though, for sure. I don't, I don't think he was hurt. Nothing from reports of camp or anything like that said that he was hurt. So I'm assuming that they kind of just said, we're confident enough for you to have a roster spot that you don't got to play. Maybe that's where they're turning with the, with Jalen Darden. And Jalen Darden has a lot of speed, which I think that's going to help him trying to make the, the cut. But it also it all kind of shows then too, like Schwartz, like that's another reason why Schwartz Kind of has to go at that point because, I mean, you drafted him solely on his speed, which I get. I understand 
He was the fastest in the combine in the 2021 draft. Makes sense, especially for the ways that you wanted to try to use him. But now that you got Elijah Moore, and now that Jakeen Grant's in here, and he's back to healthy, and now what looks like Jalen Darden, you already have that speed. So I don't understand why you would even try to like attempt it with Anthony Schwartz. And I just got back with to Anthony Schwartz. But it's true. Like it's just it's another example. And Jalen Darden, I kind of like him as a, another shot in the dark kind of guy. But again, like I guess I guess he's probably going to be one of the guys moving forward now. And I don't know. I just I'm I'm still frustrated about the Anthony Schwartz situation because I do I do truly feel bad for him. He does get so much criticism. And you could say, like, yeah, he deserves it and stuff like that. No human deserves to be ridiculed that much at that point. But, again, at the same time, you also have to do your job as well. And he's not. So that's probably the last big point that I wanted to get into. We also talked about the defense. Looked pretty good in the second half. You know, first half, probably more of trying to break it in. I'm excited for the wide nine as well, too. Uh, some of the guys that, you know, can uh, kind of put up some stats that I wanted to give out, give shout-outs to on the defense. Uh, Tony Fields went out there, uh, linebacker. He had, he had uh, six total tackles and four solo uh, tackle for loss. Looked pretty good. Uh, I mean, Siaka Iki did pretty well, too. Uh, two solo tackles and two tackles in general. Uh Isaiah McGuire, McGuire, sorry. He also looked pretty good. Um, that's, I guess, the the defense. I, there was the concerns early on, I think, in in the game, but I think it was just more of trying to get it together towards the end. And they obviously second half flipped the switch because they didn't even allow any points. So i'm I'm pretty excited for it. I think there's definitely gonna be a huge change from the Joe Woods experiment, if you call it that. So I, I think there's a lot of promise there. wasn't gonna get too much into it. Uh, some of the rookies that I wanted to touch on, Hassan Hall looked really good. And also too with the Hassan Hall, he did he was the primary kick returner as well. I don't know if you guys noticed that uh, he, he was he, three. He, I guess he would it be caught then. I I don't know. He returned. Uh, there it is. Returned. That's obviously. He returned three kickoffs for sixty-two yards. He looked pretty good in that sense. I don't know if that's going to be his role moving forward. Just because again, that was he did it primarily in the first half. I know that, but then also in the second half they didn't score. So that kind of an indication there. But he looked good in that role, and then also, too, running the ball, he looked really good. Touched on that already earlier. Dorian Thompson-Robinson, electric. Don't really have to talk about that rookie too much. Cedric Tillman, probably, I would say he probably looked the best out of all the wide receivers this year. And for In game one, I'd say, for for our uh, our core. So that's a, that's a lot of promise there. Again, trying to break the spell there with the third-round wide receivers. Other rookies, uh, also a shout-out to uh, Dewan Jones. He looked really good. He his 
for being such a huge dude, he had really good footwork. Like, that, that's something that I noticed. I mean, it even looked like Dorian Thompson-Robinson. He had to, like, kind of... He had to throw it over Dewan Jones, which is scary because he's 6'8". And you know, <laughs> Dorian Thompson-Robinson is, isn't that tall. He's only 6'1", maybe even six foot. So it was kind of funny. But, I mean, he looked really good, which is awesome, considering that there are a lot of injuries that happen on the offensive line for the Browns. And so having that depth piece, and especially acquiring it in the fourth round this year, it goes to show you that drafting for best best player available and not just for a need could pay off in the end. Because, I again, I was really high on him this draft, and I think there's a lot of potential there as well. Again, he's pretty raw still. But, I I mean, I'm excited to see that one, especially with Jedrick Wills. Are you going to extend him? You don't know that. Maybe Dewan Jones becomes that guy. So that was another thing. Again, I I touched on Siaka Iki, also Isaiah McGuire. They both look pretty good. Those were the only rookies that I kind of really wanted to highlight. Bubba Bolden, I don't know if – I'm pretty sure it was this year. That he was drafted, yeah. This is his first season. He um he wasn't drafted. He was free agent pickup. He had a pick there at the end. So the last point that I wanted to get into was I wanted to talk about <laughs> Cade York, baby. I, I don't know. My mom and I always joke about Browns kickers. Because I my sister plays Division One soccer, so it was always a joke after Phil Dawson, like one of my sister's teammates or her could go and be the kicker for the Cleveland Browns, and it was funny for a while, but then it just remains true now, because he lines up for the first field goal attempt of the year, and what do you know, he misses. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt, though. He did go three for three in his extra points. Great. But you're just... It's it's a continuing cycle, and you drafted him in the fourth round in the 2022 draft. The fourth round. Where, again, I talked about best player available and not drafting for a need could pay off. That fourth round pick could have went somewhere else. And I I don't mind them taking a kicker there, truthfully. But the Cade York experience, I don't know. Wait, what's going to happen here? I think they're, they should be on the market looking for a veteran kicker because there's plenty out there that at least shown that they could <laughs> be serviceable. And I'm not saying that Cade York isn't serviceable, but there's been so many times where... I mean, I go up there, it like he's about to make a kick, and I'm like, there's a chance that he misses this, and it's only like 30, 40 yards out. And it shouldn't be a miss, you know? And, and, it, and again, I, I hate criticizing guys for things that I can't do, but at the same time, just like Schwartz, you're getting paid to do this. 
So do it. These are kicks that are needing to be hit. I don't have the distance right now of how far that kick was. But it wasn't some tremendous like 56-yarder where, you know, it's all right kind of a toss-up scenario where, I don't know, like, all right, I'll give him the benefit. Like, I'm not giving him the benefit of the doubt there. It wasn't that far. I mean, yeah, it was probably, I'd say it was probably in the 30 to 40 range, but that's what you're getting paid to do is to make those kicks, and you're not. You're 50-50 all the time when you go up there. So, yeah, I'm going to... I'm going to start to have some concerns there. And I'm on the boat of bringing in a veteran kicker. Try it. Something at this point. So I think that was probably the last point that I wanted to really get into and touch on. So I'll I'll give a quick summary of everything that I went over because there was a lot. Uh, The first one, obviously Dorian Thompson-Robinson was the big highlight of it. Showed a lot of promise there for the backup role. It, potentially, like, down the road, who knows, kind of thing, which would be cool. Uh, Kellen Mod probably give him one more game. And if Dorian Thompson-Robinson keeps excelling like this, Kellen Mod would be gone. Not terrible. The running back room, it, Jerome Ford has the RB2 role pretty locked up at this point. I'm, I'm like, 99.9% sure. That he's locked up now, especially now that he didn't, he didn't even play. Uh, I think there's more questions now in the running back three role because you got Dimitri Felton playing pretty well, John Kelly Jr. playing well, and then also Hassan Hall did really well too. So now we are in a scenario where we got to wait a couple more games to see, okay, who's going to really take over that role now? John Kelly did get the start again, like we said. So maybe it's him. And then also, too, wide receiving room kind of had some question marks because it wasn't utilized too much and more of just the tight ends and the running backs in the passing game. And Cedric Tillman looked good. Wide receivers, decent all around. Tight ends also looked good. And the pass catching backs, pretty good. And then also, too, Anthony Schwartz did not play well. (laughs) He did not. And then also David Bell, too, another guy where it's just, I don't know. And then lastly, too, I'm excited for the defense and the rookies. They looked really good, too. So then moving forward, I think here's what I want to pay attention to more. Now that we know that Jerome Ford is the running back, too, and we got that pretty locked up now, I think our focus is going to shift more towards Who's going to be the Dearness Johnson role? And I know we already said that like we we wanted to watch out for that, but it's becoming more of an emphasis now that Dimitri Felton looked good and also Asan Hall and John Kelly Jr. did look good as well too. So now you're you're looking at it like not just who has the Dearness Johnson role, but also to who's making the roster because it looks like it's going to be a battle between Dimitri Felton and Hassan Hall now. And maybe they do keep all of them and, again, have, like, Dimitri Felton be kind of the hybrid wide receiver running back and utilize them in that sense. 
I think that's probably the one storyline you're going to look at. Another thing is, too, who's going to get the start for the next one? Is it going to be Kellen Mott again, or are they going to hand it over to Dorian Thompson-Robinson? I really hope they give it to DTR. Again, the kid looked really freaking good. I keep saying it, but it's true. And especially, to utilizing him as a dual threat. They did a great job of that. I want to see Dorian Thompson-Robinson starting the next game. And then Kellen Maud coming into the second half. Period. I think that's probably going to be the next one that you will look at. Another one, too, is the wide receiving room as well, as we touched on it before. Again, we got some clarity with it, with Jalen Darden not playing and stuff. But then also, too, are we going to see Schwartz again on the field in a Cleveland Browns jersey? And are we going to see an increased role out of the wide receivers itself? Because, again, they didn't get that many targets. It was more of the tight ends and the running backs and a lot of dump-offs. So keep an eye out for that one. Also, I would say probably see if Austin Watkins makes the jump up to playing in the first half and not the second half. I think he's a guy to keep an eye on because he played pretty well. And then also, too, Mike Harley Jr., another guy where he had four targets. And I think targets matter as well because it shows that they're trying to use him in the offense. So I I think those are two guys that you'd want to pay attention to. And again, Cedric Tillman. You could even look at David Bell, too, to see where they go with him now. Because, again, two receptions for six yards, not ideal. And then lastly, too, I guess two more. We'll go with two more. I would say probably look at the rookies again. See if DeWan Jones keeps it up. Uh, maybe some more utilization out of Siaka Iki and Isaiah, Isaiah McGuire. Maybe they start to come out a little bit more. Alex Wright also had two uh, assisted tackles as well. I know not necessarily a rookie. I just going through the stat charts and stuff. But, yeah, I think those are probably some of the guys that you look for on the defense. And, again, also two rookies of Cedric Tillman and them and Hassan Hall. And then lastly, what are they going to do with the kicker? Are they going to sign a guy? Because at this point, I mean, <laughs> you should. You really should because, I again, and I hate to say – that you're not giving them enough time and stuff because you kind of aren't. But at the same time, you have so much riding on this season that everything kind of needs to be perfect. Because again, this is a roster, if Deshaun Watson is playing to that level, how he was in Houston where he looked like a top three quarterback, this team can go far. And you've, it's not just the Cleveland media hype this time. There's hype with this team everywhere now. So if Deshaun Watson get into that level, yeah, you're, you're going to be a team that can really compete this year. And if your kicker can't get the job done, it's like in golf when you can't putt. Yeah, you get, you get down to the very end. You have a great drive, great chip, whatever. And you can't get the job done and you three-putt it. Or you can't get that extra points. Or you can't sink that three-point field goal that you need to kind of get you over the edge. 
it's going to become a problem, especially late in game when I don't have trust in my kicker. Yeah, I'm going to look in a different direction. So I'd keep an eye out for what they're going to do with the kicker if they keep rolling out with Cade York. And again, I know that's kind of minor, but at the same time, it could be a huge factor moving forward. So that's about it on this episode. Again, it it sucked not having Jake here. I'm surprised I got, I'm basically an hour in, and I ranted about just one single game, which is pretty impressive for me. But I don't know. I, I'm 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 excited. I'm excited. I'll say that as my final thoughts for the Browns moving forward into the next week. Um, I let me pull up really quick who they play next. I believe it is on the oh, it's on the 11th. They play the Commanders at home, and. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be, those are the, I talked about the points that you need to look at, and I, it'll be interesting. And I guess they, yeah, Jalen Darden was listed as questionable, so maybe that was it. Maybe I just spewed about Jalen Darden for no reason, (laughs) but hey, I mean, it's okay. I had a good time talking by myself. Again, I miss you, Jake. Please come back soon. Um, but yeah, that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Uh, again, follow us on all of our social medias, uh, Mistake by the Take on Instagram, and then also on Twitter, MBTT Pod, and then subscribe to us on whatever you listen to, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. I believe it's Apple Podcasts. I usually use Spotify. But Subscribe to us there. Hit the notification bell. Uh, even though he's not here, I'll still plug him. Volnick2 on Twitter. And then Jake Volnick on Instagram for Jake's social handles. And then I'm always D-Y Felt on all of my social media pages. And that'll wrap us up uh, next episode. Probably a little bit of Guardians talk, I'm assuming, since a lot of trades went down. Didn't get to touch on that. But that'll do it for this episode. We'll see you in episode 25 or whatever it is. Peace!